This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present and acknowledge their ongoing connection to land, waters and culture. Colonization and genocide are ongoing processes that continue to this day. Sovereignty was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hey, hey, welcome back to Ozpol Snack Pod, the podcast that is kind of like an onion bhaji, hot and fried. That's right. This is Ozpol Snack Pod, the podcast where two of Australia's foremost political nobodies bring you bite sized chunks of Australian politics and news with a side of crispy onion bhaji like memes. Uh, and we're also the official podcast of the Ozpol shitposting Facebook group. So if you like memes and posts and Ozpol for some reason, head on over there and uh, get you some posts. My name's Noon, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Zach. Hey, what's up, Noon? We're coming to you at the newsiest time of the week. Several Three, days ago. 3.30 p.m. on a Thursday. Yeah. 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 Um, Zach's away this weekend, so we're recording a bit early, so... Um, it's definitely possible there'll be developments on some or all of the stories by the time that this episode actually drops. So um, forgive us if everything that we said is untrue. Um, you said something that was mildly untrue last week, Zach. Oh, yeah. I, I think I... What did I say? I said that the uh, house that the University of Melbourne bought for the vice chancellor cost around a million dollars, which was a ridiculous thing to say because the district in which that house sits, you can't buy anything for a million dollars. A million dollars doesn't even get you a studio apartment. In Let Parkville. alone a yeah. VC's mansion. Yes, I've been reliably informed that the purchasing price was upwards of actually seven million dollars. Right. So, yeah. Um, that's about roughly seven times as bad as i thought it was wow that really yeah. uh, puts it in perspective it Thanks really does yeah quick math set. yeah um yeah and so uh before we get into the news just wanted to shout out our patrons um you, you can support the show financially listener for one australian dollar per month and you'll get a monthly bonus episode and access to our discord and it helps pay for all of the things that we need to make this show um so including uh transcripts we have someone who we pay to do transcripts and if you would like to read the show rather than listen to it you can do that over at ospolsnackpod.com um but we have some new patrons this week so thank you so much to achromatic and to lucy uh thank you for signing up thanks team all right let's not talk about some news can i offer you one of these sir no no take it away at once yeah, so this is the section where we talk about stories that we're not really going to talk about. And first up is not even really a story. <laughs> well, that, that works out quite well. I it's feel. perfect, yeah. Um, as everyone keeps saying, we're entering election season, blah, 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 blah. And the Prime Minister wanted Gladys Berejiklian, former Premier of New South Wales, uh, who was recently sort of forced to resign because of a corruption scandal, wants her to run in the seat of Warringah at the next election, um, which is the conservative and wealthy electorate in the north of Sydney that covers Manly, amongst other suburbs. Used to be Tony Abbott's seat until he was unseated by Zali Stegall, who was in the parliament at the moment, who is like... What if a liberal was an independent, but also something, something climate change bad? Exactly, yeah. Um, sounds like Gladys is pretty n not keen on this. Um... <laughs> Sources close to the former Premier say that she wants a cushy private sector job, which uh, will not involve constant scrutiny. Um, and also amusingly, uh, uh, Perite, the current New South Wales Premier, has uh, alongside this been telling Scott Morrison to shut up about ICAC being bad, because Scott Morrison keeps being like, of course we want Gladys to run. ICAC is bullshit. Um, and Perite is like, um, can you not insult our anti-corruption agency, please? It is not a good look. Um, so, there you go. There's one non-story that we're not talking about. One down. Next up, uh, this isn't even an Australian story. No, that's not true, it is. But um, in February, China will be hosting the Winter Olympics in Beijing. Um, and the United States said on Monday that they will be doing a diplomatic boycott of this Winter Olympics. And since then, the United Kingdom, Canada, and Australia have all said that they will also do a diplomatic boycott. And Japan is also considering it. And probably by Sunday, a bunch of other places will do it as well. Can um, you describe for me what a diplomatic boycott is? Yeah, so it sounds like what it is, i.e. not really a boycott. They're still sending athletes... 
Uh, they just won't send, like, high-ranking government officials to the opening ceremony, basically. And I didn't look into this a whole lot because international politics and whatever, whatever, but there's some kind of Olympic treaty that gets signed, which is basically just everyone being like, it's the Olympics time now. Um, <laughs> we agree. And I think we're not going to be signing that as well. Oh, that's going um, sting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> the like Chinese government has released a press conference basically being like, no one cares, which is very funny. That was, <laughs> that was the headline. No one cares about the Australian <laughs> diplomatic boycott. It's true. Um, so but why are they, these various countries, including Australia, boycotting the Winter Olympics? Um, it's about 50-50 because of abuse of Uyghurs and uh, because a tennis player, Peng Shuai, um, who said that she was coerced into sex by a Chinese government official and has not been seen in public since. Um, and Both of so, which are definitely really bad things. Sure, yes. Uh, maybe worth doing like a real boycott An about if boycott you actually ever. wanted to show that you cared about these mm. things. Um, yeah, it's some wishy-washy shit. It paints a big target for China to get mad at us specifically about. Um and at the same time has no impact. Mm. Um, but Luckily, like, Australia has this totally squeaky clean record when it comes to, for example, rights. human rights and or issues of gender. Or sexual abuse in the yeah. upper echelons of government. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, thinking about what a real boycott would be like, imagine if China won essentially every single medal, right? If they won gold, silver, bronze in every event because the other countries didn't compete every time they won a medal it'd be an opportunity for world leaders to stand up and be like this is terrible and we've decided to boycott them and here they are you know rubbing instead, it in our faces exactly but instead they're just being like we're not coming to pre-drinks basically <laughs> which is like you know <laughs> we're not coming to your boring diplomatic pre-drinks document yep. signing pre-drinks uh and our last disgusting imperative the opposite of a dessert yeah. barkley mcgain um who is a liberal staffer who works for andrew laming and who was famous he was the um, bit of a lefty myself well he was he the, was in the background of no, that. no well he was doing it interviews and he was interviewing the guy who said bit of a lefty myself and he right, stood there right, and right, sort right. of Sorry, had of a shit eating grin on his face as the guy said some shit about how indigenous people wouldn't have invented the wheel or something totally yeah yeah uh, and a bunch of other things. But... He's famous for being a gross dickhead young liberal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, he dressed up as Kyle Rittenhouse for Halloween. Um... Are you triggered, lefties? Damn. Yeah. This guy really loves owning the snowflakes. Mm -hmm. I bet he has a really rich and fulfilling interior world. And his life is full of people who appreciate him. People get offended so easily by multiple homicides and um, permanently disabling someone. Uh, Imagine caring about... Because of racism. Racial violence. Couldn't be me, fam. Haha. <laughs> Lamau. Living rent-free. All right, let's uh, <laughs> wrap That's up That's enough this. about Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> McGain. Potentially forever. Oh, actually, no, I think it's worth noting that... It, it, it was reported that he was fired after that incident where he was, That's you know, right. like, condoning racism on camera. And he's an Andrew Laming staffer. Like, yeah. Which, fucking, of course he is. Of he's course the perfect this is employee the kind, for he's, he's Andrew Laming. He's the perfect Laming, Laming employee. And, and he was, like, you know, subsequently, like, basically quietly rehired after the scandal sort yeah, of died down. he was suspended down. for six months. Right. Which is exactly how Andrew Laming deals with his own... What's what I'm looking for here? Scandals. Scandals. Well, yeah. yeah with his, well, I mean, to call it a scandal, I don't know. It feels like it's somehow his own little... shitty behavior. Yeah, exactly. He just like does a fake apology, waits a little while, and then is like, "Psych!" Like, <laughs> I mean, this I is learned just... nothing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I learned nothing, and I only pretended to to fool you. And it's yeah, it's just a troll working for another troll. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all very fitting and bad. But anyway, uh, let's play a thing that we thankfully haven't played in a while. <laughs> Hey, man, I got some more beers. Oh, uh, I don't know if I can drink anymore. I'm feeling kind of sick. No, come on, we're having another round of Coronas. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good. And, uh, we have having another round of Coronas. <laughs> um, oh, jeez. Look, you know, I mean, there are mad cases and whatever. That's not what I wanted to talk about. Um, Barnaby Joyce, our Deputy Prime Minister, has the coronavirus. Um, he's currently in the United States 
um, isolating for 10 days. Uh, he just came from the United Kingdom. Possibly got it from sharing a cocaine spoon with Boris Johnson. Um, <laughs> we haven't been able to either confirm or disconfirm that he was racking fat lines in a private bathroom in Parliament House with BJ, who was at the time dressed like a cop. We haven't been able to get either positive or negative confirmation on that story. That's right, yeah. We're still working on it. Um, we're, we're working on it. As you can see, that's obviously like a reasonably likely scenario. <laughs> um, yep. Uh, <laughs> Also going on this week, uh, Moderna vaccines have been approved as booster shots in Australia, which is cool, I guess. Um, but the things that I actually wanted to talk about was about the Supreme Court and the vaccine mandate uh, mm. situation. So, Tell me. Um, Dig up, man. Last month, a paramedic named John Latter took the New South Wales Health Minister, Brad Hazard, uh, to court saying that the vaccine mandate was unethical, illegal, and morally repugnant. Um, the judge found in favor of the minister, um, basically saying that the law says the minister can make public health orders on reasonable grounds, and that the advice he had gotten that that the minister had gotten from the chief health officer constituted reasonable grounds. Mm. And the judge was basically like, beyond that, I can't say like this one is fine or this one is not. Like the law isn't that the health orders have to be Moral. not morally <laughs> repugnant. It's just that they have to be on reasonable grounds, and they were. Um, so Lata crowdfunded a quarter of a million dollars uh, for legal fees and says that it hasn't covered the entire bill. Wow. Um, he had three barristers and two paralegals, and it got thrown out in two days, um, which reminds me <laughs> of that joke, someone who represents themselves in court has a fool for a client, but in this case it's just like someone who represents John Lauder has a, a fool for a, a client. Yeah. All five um, of those lawyers. <laughs> yeah. So um, this follows a, a similar case in October when a bunch of New South Wales workers also tried to have vaccine mandates disallowed. And mm. um, here's from an article in... Oh, sorry. An article in the ABC. They sought to have the orders declared invalid, arguing they infringed on freedom, privacy, and the bodily integrity of people who did not want to be vaccinated. And the judge found this was silly nonsense. Um, they have appealed, and the news this week is that the appeal has been disallowed. Um, so they haven't even like heard the appeal. They're just mm. like, no, you can't even bother there us There is this no shit. appeal. One um, appeal. But they have been ordered to pay costs to the government. Jeez. Um, which, you know... I mean, that's not something to celebrate, really, you know, is no. it? No. And Nor is just... the sentence, like, the court ruled in favour of the minister. Like, that's not, you know. It's really what you want. I hate yeah. these alien versus predator type stories, you know. Yeah. But, like, yeah. I mean, I'm still, I, I still feel totally, under, like, you know, fairly undecided about mandates and, you know, etc. But it just, it's really hard to find any kind of reasonable criticism when that doesn't dovetail into like you know proto-fascist anti-semitic conspiracy theories right well that's the thing is that like if you have a health exemption you don't have to get it and you don't yeah. have to get it anyway it's just like there's gonna yeah. be restrictions for like another four months or something yeah um yeah and, like, the argument you can't is that be this a doctor is... like yeah know. well look you know the argument is that this is indicative of rising authoritarianism or whatever, but it's just a bit like, I just don't think that this is actually in, in any way particularly more extreme than, you know, know. the already... Rising authoritarianism is David Elliott saying that he wants his children strip-searched. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's very suspicious that it's, you know, I I don't know... <laughs> whether this guy has tried to take the New South Wales government to court about anything else before, but I kind of somehow doubt it. Like, I don't know. I'm just a little bit suspicious of people for whom this is their political awakening. Right, right. You know, and we've talked before about the lack of kind of you know, literacy in terms of political history within this movement and the kind of very cooked results that that produces. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Maybe one day I'll sit down and actually work out how I feel about mandates. But at the moment, it's like... But would you get... Like, sorry, I know that you're no, not go on. literally saying this. I just find it quite obvious that the mandate is a scary word, but 
that we literally already have vaccine mandates for dozens of industries and like right. MMR vaccines and whooping cough. You can't be a doctor if you haven't had your measles vaccine. You can't, like it's true. And it, like all the of the, up. you know, I mean, as opposition to the mandates, some of it, you know, it sort of masquerades as this like, oh, it's about freedom and bodily autonomy and shit. But all of it is rooted in bullshit conspiracy theories about the vaccine itself, which are you know, they're just totally groundless as well. Yeah. And yeah, it just like as I said before, like it's hard for me to accept the idea that this represents some kind of Rubicon, or, some new yeah, 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 some new brave new world in terms of government overreach into the lives of its citizens. Right. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't really buy it. Um, but I'm open. I'm willing and open to hear good, coherent right, right. arguments Leftist about this. Positions yeah. against it, whatever. Yeah. Um, a friend of a friend of mine told this friend that if we lock down again they're gonna go and march with the anti-vax and this is like you know one of our people yeah um and my friend was like what what the fuck they're nazis and he's basically like yeah but they're right about this um <laughs> which is <laughs> i mean deeply upsetting not good that's not true <laughs> like, but they, it's not true. Yeah, the exactly. things that they're right about. <laughs> well, lockdown was unpleasant for me personally. Yeah, no, true. <laughs> and look, like, it feels good to be out there doing some weird kind of Zumba dance to "We're not going to take it," or you know, "We are, you are, I am Australian," or whatever. <laughs> like, do you really want to? Like, you you're going to lose your job in order to go and be part of the shittest street party of all time? Yeah. It's bad. You know, I mean, there was all this shit this week about um, the videos coming out from the Cooker protests where this kid tried to egg Craig Kelly. That's right. And then, and and the, the he gets roughed up by the crowd. You know, one of them kind of tries to choke slam him, and they fucking drag him over to RV Meany. Yeah. Like, you know, and who's apparently this fucking objective citizen journalist or whatever. And it just couldn't be more apparent that, like... That's you know, their fucking High Court of Appeal. Yeah. Yeah, well, but not even... He's their, he's their leader. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, they they didn't come over to, for him to judge whether or not this kid was guilty. They came over to be like, you need to speak to the most important person here who can destroy you because he tells us what to think. And it's like, guys, it's really hard to take your movement seriously when you have this guy who has literally been a spokesperson for active far-right extremists in the UK. Yeah. Like, he called himself the world's proudest, proudest Jewish, Jewish Nazi. Nazi. And, you know, the kind of context for that is that he's like, oh, they call all far right people Nazis. And so I guess, guess I'm a Nazi. I am. So he was but kind, it's kind like of taking just the piss, but he the was, loud part quiet. Yeah, the quiet he, was, part loud. he was deliberately, like, you say something like that, put it on the record. I'm sorry, mate. It's going to come back to bite you. Yeah. And now he, and he has these kind of sarcastic responses to people who were like, you called yourself a Nazi. And it's like, well, bro, you did it. Like, you opened yeah. your mouth and said that. But more importantly, you said that at a rally in support of a well-known Islamophobic agitator in the UK. Mm. Like, yeah. anyway, Avi Amin is a piece of shit. These people think of him as their leader, and it's really hard to take them seriously on any kind of discussion about, like, freedoms. I guess my conclusion is, if you think the vaccine mandate is bad, or you think lockdowns are bad, find a group of people who can um, engage with activism and protest around that in a responsible way and don't affiliate yourself with these Nazis. Ah, uh, okay. And anti-vaxxers. So you're a sheeple? Well, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. All right, let's move okay. on. Okay, all right, let's, let's do it. Positivity I bet there's going to be an uncomplicated, all positive, all the time, right? You bet. So let's start off by talking about how public sector wages are really bad in New South Wales. Mm -hmm. Don't worry, that's we don't feel positively about that. It's it's bad. We'll, we'll bring it around. So a yeah, little bit of backstory here for this positivity corner. Back in 2011, the New South Wales government put a cap on the men maximum annual pay rise that public sector workers could receive. Now, let's be sort of clear about this. Public sector workers are not just these little unaccountable 
red tape generating goblins that the IPA sort of <laughs> likes to pretend uh-huh. uh, you know makes up the entire public sector. We're talking about public school teachers. We're talking about public transport workers. We're talking about paramedics. We're talking about nurses. We're yep. talking about, by and large, people who make society livable and help it's, it develop. It's like thirty percent of yeah. the workforce, or something. It's the New South Wales government is the single biggest employer in the country. I'm pretty sure. Right. So yeah, we're talking yeah, about right. yeah. many, many people. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, people who. <laughs> yeah. Barely any of whom are goblins that produce. Few of whom are red tape gener- generating goblins. Uh, so. The New South Wales government was the first state to introduce this cap on pay rises for public sector workers. But since 2011, most other states and territories have kind of followed their lead, some with even lower caps. So uh, this wage cap is 2.5% annually is is the cap that's been put on wage rises. Uh, And these wage caps then get spun by conservatives as guaranteed pay rises for the public sector. And I don't know if you remember this, Noon, we talked uh, last year when New South Wales, when the New South Wales government froze public sector wages completely in the midst of the pandemic as a, you know, cost-cutting measure. Then this year they reinstated the pre-existing 2.5% cap. And then that that was reported as Pay rises for the public sector yep. re guaranteed again. And yep. the IPA lost their. Little... Which is worse than just having it once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, which, you know, you know led, led to the typical kind of vinegar soaked, uh, wet screaming from the IPA about, mm-hmm. you know, real Aussies are suffering and Australian public service red tape goblins are getting even more money and making even the more fumes red tape. Of publicly collected <laughs> yeah. cash. But. Back in the real world, the actual effect of this 2.5% wage cap, wage growth cap, has meant that the public public sector wages have been falling in relation to inflation and cost of living. So essentially, right. this is a pay cut They've over been time. Pay cuts yeah, each year. Yeah. Exactly. You know, so basically life has been getting more and more expensive for all of these people who work for the public good. In well, you know, maybe that's slight exactly optimistic maybe that's oversourcing it slightly. i'm sure a lot of them got into their industries for that yeah i mean reason. look i am in favor of teachers and bus drivers you know yeah. <laughs> those are the people i'm talking about I'm not talking about the gold the gremlins the yeah. gremlins take or leave yeah <laughs> you get a, a small percentage um and i was also in my research today I came across an article uh outlining some research that showed that of that this also had a downward pressure on private sector wages as well, because who right. would have thought like reducing wages in one sector of the economy encourages other sectors of the economy yeah. to do that as well. So even the precious private sector is suffering under these wage camps. So anyway, long story short, what happens when you squeeze workers for a decade, reduce their pay, make their jobs harder and harder every year? Fucking Strikes, baby. And that's what happened this week. <laughs> hey, hey. Yay. Wait, okay. Positivity corner. Here we are. We brought it Boom. back around. Okay. So first off, let's talk about the teachers. Teachers went on strike. A 24-hour strike organized by the New South Wales Teachers Federation, which covers all public school teachers in New South Wales. Um, and it's their first strike in over a decade. And right. it was interesting because I have quite a few memories. Uh, Noon and I went to school in New South Wales. Mm. And I have quite a few memories of teacher strikes happening. But, like, obviously, I haven't been to school for like 10 years More than a decade, and yeah. yes <laughs> and i was like oh yes teacher strikes that that, that, that sort of happens and it's like well actually no it hasn't right. uh so they're striking over basically they've got massive workloads and have to do shitloads of unpaid mm-hmm. overtime mm-hmm. sometimes roughly like or like almost double the amount of hours sure. in a week that they actually get paid for you know and you're talking about full-time workers here so yeah. you know some some teachers are doing 60 hours yeah. of uh of work a week you know but getting paid for 37 uh, and uh, obviously, they're striking over the fact that their wages are effectively going down every year. Yeah. Uh, and there's all these like just really upsetting stories about teachers mm-hmm. using their own money to buy school supplies because school funding is so bad. Yeah. Like you know, it's a sh- fucking shit house situation. So all of this combined has led to these huge teacher shortages. And I don't think we ever actually talked about this on the show. Noon. It was like a story that we almost talked about a number of right. times. 
Um, but back in October, internal New South Wales Department of Education documents were leaked, which predicted that New South Wales will, and this is a quote from a presentation that was leaked, run out of teachers in the next five years. Like, wow. that's the government being like, they know exactly what's going to happen. So their plan, their response was basically to promote, quote unquote, the joy of teaching. Yeah, like, I did see a few YouTube videos about that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, ads, rather. Yeah. Yeah, yeah guys. The pay is shit. You'll you'll work shitloads of unpaid hours. And Nobody's what you do get, you'll you. spend on buying books that we're not funding the schools for. Yes, yeah. Um, and the the absolute best piece going around about this um, that I really really highly recommend to people uh, is from Dan Hogan in Overland. Um, and why don't I play the 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 blessed blessed take sting here? Nice. It was the best of takes. It was the blurst of takes. You stupid monkey. We, we, we just very rarely get a blessed take, so... No, it's you true, know, yeah. Let's, let's play it. this thing. But yeah, Dan Hogan's piece in Overland about this is great. We'll link it in the uh, in the show notes. And uh, it goes into a huge amount of detail about why the teachers are striking and the kind of uh, Hogan's experience of being a teacher in the public system uh, and all the kind of fuck things that uh, happen when your position and, you know, industry in general is massively underfunded. But here's a quick quote just to give you the flavor. Not only has the department's modus operandi of making teachers work more for less wages, or no wages at all, degraded the working conditions of teachers, it has also overseen a decline in positive education outcomes for students. Because fucking... Yeah, obviously. The department is yet to acknowledge the direct link between the working conditions of teachers and learning outcomes for students. And this is despite spending millions of taxpayer dollars on consultancy firms like Deloitte and PricewaterhouseCoopers to solve its recruitment poverty, which is how you get fucking like that. Basically, the government's—they know they're like, oh, okay. So annoying. Students' results are getting worse. Teachers' salaries are going down. More and more teachers are retiring. Fewer and fewer teaching graduates are taking jobs because the money is so bad. How are we going to solve this, Deloitte? Have five million dollars, Deloitte's like. Have you ever considered te- telling people that teaching is fun? Big boom. guns. <laughs> Consulted. Yeah, boom. Consulting, baby. Big four. Um, yeah, that's where all the graduates that aren't going into teaching are going. They're going to Deloitte and writing these brochures. So this strike comes after 18 months of negotiations with the state government over wow. pay. You know, they're not doing this for fun. <laughs> like, and they're not doing that. It's not like, you know, oh, okay, well, we're just going to go out there and do it. 18 months of fucking negotiations about yeah. this shit. And the teachers are demanding between 5 and 7.5% pay rise, and the government is refusing to budge on its bullshit 2.5% cap, which has made things worse for everyone. Yep. Not just public sector employees. So let's check in on the political reaction here. Okay, here's a quote from the education minister, someone who was apparently called Sarah Mitchell. Okay, whatever. In a, se- in a single day, the union has caused more disruption to our public education system than we've seen due to COVID throughout the yeah. entirety of this term. That's not actually true as such, is it? That's what one might call a lie. I think that it would be fairly fair to characterize that as a lie. Mm. Yeah. Someone in, in, or a couple of people in Ausbullshit Posing and elsewhere have been like, no, see, the the point that they're making is that during the COVID thing, when people, like, when a, a school, there was a hotspot, it would be one school shut for a day or two, whereas here it's every single school in the entire state that's not... Yeah, except, and that's, you know, would kind of be a reasonable point, except school kids weren't at school for, like, months. So, no. Yeah, <laughs> that it, is like, there's basically total bullshit. no... Yeah, there's, there's no actual reasonable or material way in which that statement could be configured as true, I yeah. think. But... You have to, you know, this is the the nature of political spin, where yep. you have to leave yourself this kind of technicality little back door. Like, I was talking about the amount of schools that were closed on one single day. Okay. So but not during those true. four weeks at the start of term three and also well, those other four weeks. Yeah, no, no, yeah. but... Yeah. And, like, you know, if you want to talk about fucking disruption to the education system, right. let's talk about the kneecapping of funding. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about the fact that teachers literally... Get, don't have supplies. Yeah, or they, they, you know, they get five hours a week to do lesson planning for a full 
full-time like you know teaching yeah. load like that's yeah. it's just it's just cooked yeah. yes sarah mitchell goes on to say i think it does a real disservice to our hard-working teaching profession it really is pitting teachers families and students against each other that is no. what you were no, doing it's not. <laughs> and also fuck you about talking about disservice to our hard-working teaching profession like where do these people get off yeah amazing yeah. uh anyway luckily we had some staunch pushback from the Labour Party, aka well, they're the, the party opposition. of the workers. That's so. right, and they, you know, it, the clue is in the name, opposition. Here's opposition leader Chris Minns. Apparently, that's his name. Sure. <laughs> Why wouldn't it be? Yeah, I will take your word for it. Where article that I got this from? I want to make this clear: we are not suggesting that the government of the day or future governments should agree to the log of claims from teachers' representatives. Oh, good. Yeah, good. Nice, yeah. solid pushback there. I love that working, uh, you know, uh, supporting the uh, the labor movement. Yeah. You know, the, the Labor Party, labor movement, obviously. Long history Hand together. in glove. Yeah. Same, really the same thing. Two sides of the same coin. Yeah, there's been some quite, uh, shall we say, shit and disingenuous discussion about this on Twitter with mm. labor hacks being like, and oh, all pushing. these lefties are saying the New South Wales Labor Party doesn't support the strike, but look, here's photos of three of them holding up signs saying, I support teachers. Well, if I hear one of them say, yes, teachers should have a 7.5% pay rise, I'll fucking believe you. Yeah. And also, but I'm while sorry, the but leader I'm... of the party is saying they shouldn't have uh, the things that they are asking, it's, I feel it's, like it's you're this... going to have to do a bit more work to convince me on this just point. A, just a tad. And it's the same sort of technical backdoor bullshit where elsewhere Chris Minns has said like, oh yeah, no, totally, the cost of living in New South Wales is too high and the government needs to sit down and come to the table with these strikers. Well, why don't you fucking back them in then, bro? Yeah. You know, instead of basically you put out two different completely conflicting statements, so depending on who you're talking to, you can say, well, actually, I disagree with that position. Like, yep. fuck you. What is this? Yep. Um, also, just a side note before I finish talking about this, apparently a bunch of anti-vaxxers showed up and started heckling the teachers' protest. So, like, okay. yeah. You know cool. what? Fuck vaccine. <laughs> fuck you, anti-vaccine mandate people. I've just made up my mind. Fuck you. This was it. Yeah, this was the, this was the bullshit that broke the camel's back. You get the fuck out of here. Anyway, also transport workers went on strike. Nice. Also good and cool. Bus and train drivers are conducting a bunch of strike actions, protesting uh, a wide range of stuff from uh, the privatization of public transport, the offshoring of infrastructure contracts, uh, safety and hygiene conditions on public transport. Uh, this is also in New South Wales, by the way. Um, in the case of bus drivers, they're specifically protesting against uh, a two-tier employment structure that has basically mm -hmm. stripped many workers of entitlements like leave and, and breaks, yeah, wow. which is a result of the privatization. So you've got some workers there who were kind of employed under previous conditions where uh, you know it was a public service, then it gets privatized, right. and you've got these high workers the that were hired hires. under new agreements who basically... They sit like, you know, a lot of the communications from the um, uh, from the rail, train, and bus union is like, you have these two guys and they're both sitting in the lunchroom together, but one of them's life sucks and the other one's life is fine. <laughs> but it's like it's true. It's like you know, you've got sure. two people literally doing the same doing exact the job, same job, but because one of them was hired by a private company, their job is way shitter. And yep. I think. Uh, it's fair to protest against that because that seems shit to me. So the rail tram and bus union, not rail train and bus union, I think it's what I said earlier, the rail tram and bus union is demanding a 3.5% raise and you'll be shocked to hear that the government is refusing to meet their demands. And here's a little quote from this chief executive of Sydney Trains. Now is not the time for unions to be carrying out any action. As always, we will do yeah. everything we can to minimize impacts to customers, but we implore the union to call off their disruptions and consider the impacts on the New South Wales community during this challenging time. Yeah. It's funny uh, how yeah. there's so, never um, Tell me a time. when it would be. Uh, when can we book in this strike? Yeah. No, uh, let's, let's, let's organize this. Let's figure out when the, when the time that it'll, it'll make the least impact, and then we'll do it then. Christmas to New Year's. Mm, interesting. Uh, first week of Jan. I just Last also like, Jan. oh, is this going to cause massive disruption? I wonder if there was another way to stop this action going ahead. Perhaps yeah. You could huh. actually, <laughs> perhaps you could listen to their demands and just meet the very simple conditions that they're We requesting. have literally no control over whether or not these There's people try to get our attention. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, look, the the conversation around industrial action in general, but like any kind of, you know, strike that disrupts the, you know, everyday functioning of day-to-day life for, you know, you know, punters in the street is always super fucking frustrating. Yeah. And like or even just like protests, you know, like yeah. marching. I couldn't get to work today because of these environmentalists. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, and I don't know. We we we've talked about this before on the podcast, but it's yeah. Here's the thing: disruption is. And good. you know what? It's the fucking you know what point. Fucks me off is that <laughs> we me. haven't seen any of this thing about the anti-vaxxers. Like, yeah. there hasn't been any, well, like barely any that I've seen. Like, this is just inappropriate. But like, you know, the the ministers are like negative about it, but they're all saying like vaccines are an important health thing please don't kill me and my family mm-hmm. instead of like dismissing them as being un-Australian, like, yeah, uh, no one has waste talked about time. they're the, not the unemployed. Ruining they Christmas. don't have, they're not ruining Christmas. <laughs> they're not blocking like ambulances from getting like a small child with cancer <laughs> to their make a wish appointment. Like <laughs> apparently happens with every time first nations people are furious about, Death in custody, or like you know, like it's just such an obvious double standard. Yeah. Um. Anyway, support strikers. Disruption is good because that's the power that workers have, and yeah, it's important to demonstrate what happens when these like people who are yeah. crucial to the running of our society, if they weren't there, if they weren't able to do their jobs, and that is what's happening. Just or if they just say in, oh, in slow motion, teaching, you know, the government yeah, is yeah. disrupting society. Mm. You know, with their fucking bullshit austerity policies that are crushing these workers. That's yeah. the real long-term disruption. That's the real disruption to the education of these kids. Mm-hmm. That's the disruption to our public transport networks. Yeah. It's not yeah. one or two days of action here or there by workers who have been pushed to the fucking brink by these policies. So, there you go. There's, there's a take. Kind of nice. pop, popped out of the end. Yeah, yeah. good. Um, That's what we want. Yeah, disruption yeah. is good when it's caused by the people. Disruption is bad when it's caused by the government. The government. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, but that's enough about unions. Let's talk about a union. Fashy Australia. 2.5 years in the podcasting game. Those are the kinds of segues that you develop. Just That's just off the dome. <laughs> smooth, smooth as fuck. Smooth as an onion bhaji. Plus, you know, the other thing about being a professional is when those things come up, you just enjoy them quietly, <laughs> move on. You know everyone's enjoying it. Don't disrupt the flow of the show. You just give give your co-host a bit of a, like, a look. Because you both know how smooth it was, but you just <laughs> you just let the production keep rolling. The show must go on. Um, So this is a... Uh, <laughs> a sort of complicated story, um, just in terms of what happened. But I've... I feel like there's complications about the topic, but I don't really see that. But anyway, I'll get into it. We'll see. All right. So this is about the NTU, the National Tertiary Education Union, who represents... Uh, I think it's the National Tram Education Union. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. They represent um, academics, university staff, and trams. Um, And so they had their national council meeting last week. On the day that I was at the... Melbourne Uni casualization protest, by the way, outside the seven something odd million dollar mansion of the Uni Mel vice chancellor. Yeah, and so they, they presumably there are other stories that came out of this, but the, the one that I'm talking about is uh, some resolutions that um, undermined the queer branch of the union, which is called QUTE, uh, which stands for Queer Unionists in Tertiary Education. Um, so basically, uh, in the lead up to the council, the QUTE, the, the cuties, I'm going to call them the cuties. Uh, it's it, the, the, the quite, the cute. I think cute, cute, cute is good. Okay. Basically, cute had put forward this proposal uh, to improve how the NTEU treats queer people and issues. Um, there were a bunch of things in it. Um, one of the things that they said um, was that gender critical is a euphemism for transphobic um and that the union shouldn't support any gender critical stuff including uh on issues of academic freedom which is something that has come up a bunch for example we talked about at the time Helly, uh, holly holly lawter smith 
Yeah. Lawford Smith, sorry. Um, she is sucks. A she sucks so much. Transphobe who's a lecturer at Melbourne Uni and who um, has opposed anyone who's been like, hey, this is transphobic by being like, it's academic freedom. I'm an academic. I'm allowed to research things. Um, and yeah. this was calling on the NTU to basically be like, that's not a good excuse for transphobia, actually. Um, once the resolution got to the vote, it had been amended by people who were not part of CUTE, um, and they had taken out this bit about gender critical. Um, so I'll read a bit from an email from CUTE leader Amy Sargent, which was published in an article by Eric Stacey, who's the vice president of the Deakin Uni branch of the NTU. Zach staggering for those who are not <laughs> okay. uh, watching live. Yeah, you're not here. alone. So I'll, I'll, I'll clarify that. So there's this guy, Eric Stacy. He works for the NTU at Deakin. He wrote an article, which was really good. And I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And in this article was a quote from the leader of CUTE, whose name is Amy Sargent. And so Amy Sargent said this, the NTU's general secretary, Matthew McGowan, has proposed amendments to the motion without consulting CUTE, which will remove any mentions of the word gender-critical or references to gender-critical ideology, i.e. transphobia. All contributors to our motion steadfastly supported specifically naming gender-critical ideology as the term under which transphobes operate in academic spaces. This is, without question, the most important aspect of our motion. Mm. Gender-critical is a euphemism used to cloak transphobia by those who don't want trans people to have equal rights. Gender-critical ideology is fundamentally transphobia. There are no gender-critical beliefs slash ideas that are not transphobic in nature. It is not a legitimate or recognized field of research, though it seeks to masquerade as one. It is important to specifically call out gender-critical beliefs, as this is the term under which transphobia in tertiary spaces organizes. Um, I don't have any knowledge of this myself, but I would believe Amy Sargent about this. Um, and it's definitely, like, common... Um, and I see it all the time. It's pretty fucking black and white. It's yeah. like, oh, it's, I'm, it's okay. I am not racist. I'm just a Jewish question scholar. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the, that is, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Judaism critical. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, yeah, of course, so, you know, universities will happily make allowances for that type of shit if you're doing, if you're studying like Islam, for example. Yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Or, yeah. 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 So, not saying that, Aside from gender critical, the tertiary education space is free of bigotry, but this is, yeah, as you said, fairly cut and dried. Um, And there are some gross details. So just for example, the person responsible for tallying votes on this issue was Linda Gale, an anti-trans activist who uh, is also a Greens member who tried to get the Greens to be a lot more actively transphobic. um, That sounds like a big uh, coincidence Along with Nina Valens, who we, yeah. Huh. That, that, that this motion got the tran- the anti-transphobic stuff taken out of it, and there just happened to be noted transphobes high up in the union, uh, and counting the votes on yeah. this, yeah, correlation, so, not causation, I would say. So yeah, it's pretty gross. So Cute put this resolution up to go to the council, and the council were like, "Great, we'll put this forward," and then they changed it before it got there. Members of Cute basically were like, "Could you not?" misrepresent what we've said and also could you include literally the, the most key issue um yes. and then when they voted on it so so then i i think what happened is cute tried to get some people on the council to move amendments to put it back in mm-hmm. and linda gale who was counting the votes found that there were not enough and the amendments did not get through so i'm pretty sure that's what happened um again the internal workings of like bureaucracy, yeah, of stuff, union but... machinations. Like you know, there's only so far that we could. Like we're not part of this union. We don't know. We've got friends yeah. and stuff who are involved in it, but it's like it's all fairly baroque. But I think the headline is pretty clear here. There was an anti-transphobia yeah. statement in a motion that was moved by queer members, and that was neutered by the establishment of the union, mm-hmm. the leadership. Yep, yep. And um, you know, this is not the first time things like this has happened and so i i thought i'd just um finish off with another quote from that article by eric stacy uh that um i think this quote sort of sums up the general issue so the ntu at least at the national level remember this is a high-ranking ntu official mm. writing this this is not a for example labor party member who hates unions uh <laughs> yeah so 
the NTEU, at least at the national level, does not support people at Caesar's minorities. I'm sure they do it because there's only so much money and blah, blah, blah. Coincidentally, a motion about rationalizing the executive salaries got knocked back this National Council meeting. But the fact is, all they're doing is hurting the union when they don't stand up for people like Dr. Wetego and CUTE members. Um, uh, Dr. Wetego was another um, academic who um, went to court against her employers for um, discrimination and the NTU refused to support her. Yeah, she's a First Nations academic, yeah. That's right. Um, So... uh, all they're doing is hurting the union when they don't stand up for people like Dr. Wetego and CUTE members. And they do it repeatedly. While I was searching for the proper form of the following quote, I found this version from a James Bond movie, Goldfinger. It's actually from One, the book. Just putting it out there. Once is happenstance, twice is coincidence, the third time it's enemy action. And while extreme, I think it gets the point across. They treat their members as lesser than, time and again, and it's disgusting. Stand up for your people, all of them, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. True. Solidarity with cute and the queer members of the NTU. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is, yeah, it's a bummer. I mean, look, I mean, you have to, the, 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 these bodies are supposed to represent workers, right? And the workers have yeah. to hold them to account, you know? Yeah. Because they're, you know, you do end up in these hierarchical structures where the leadership does things that are contrary to and, the yeah. interests of the people that they're supposed to be representing. And you Totally, know, yeah. I'm I'm kind of reluctant to keep going on about this. Last week we talked a bunch about leadership and about mm. like what leadership really mm. would entail and what it sure shit doesn't entail. Mm. And I'm kind of reluctant to talk about it because you know I try to be a materialist. Um, and except when it comes to Freud, but sure. Whoa. <laughs> Sorry, that wow. it was rude to drop that bomb in the middle Zach, of this conversation. <laughs> do you want a two-hour podcast? Because this is how you get a two-hour podcast. <sighs> <laughs> human psyche is materially instantiated zach sorry that really blew out my levels okay um the um you know I, 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 material analysis is important and i think being like oh we just need the people at the top to like have an ethical realization about how they relate to people or whatever like that's not really like a feasible way to get unions or government or whatever to perform better mm. that said People who think of yourselves as being in leadership positions step the fuck up and actually lead sometimes instead of undermining by being like, oh, yeah, we'll do that, and then secretly taking shit out. Like, Mm. that's not leadership. That's cowardice and... That's a really uh, good point, actually. You know, that, like, it's, it's there bullshit. isn't... You know, even if this objection by the executive is based on some kind of, like, deeply held moral belief in the marketplace of ideas and we can't right. shut down the discussion of anything because that's antithetical to the idea of the sandstone university. Yeah. yeah, you know, the, like, you know, the, this sort of uh, small L, I guess, liberalism or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know... It doesn't sound like any kind of actual active attempt was made to communicate those ideas. They just kind of sneakily no. took this shit out. Like it's very underhanded and shows a real yeah. lack of like if the you know if we're uh, giving them the benefit of the doubt and being super generous and saying this was done due to some deeply Purely held... for those reasons, yeah, then they should have been like, hey, listen, um, we like most of this, but this one thing not cool. Um, sorry about that. Um. Yeah. But instead, they just like white outed it and yeah. hope no one would notice. These, yeah, it's, it's really like, like the actions of like, someone who, yeah, totally unaccountable leadership. Beliefs. Like yeah. you know, this is a, a, a sector that has been completely destroyed by unaccountable leadership in the sector, by massively overpaid executives and people like mistreating workers. Like mm-hmm. it, from an external perspective, it looks a little bit like there's some replication of that happening with the leadership of the union, which is just really disappointing to see because I know that there are so many people working within the NTEU and working within, you know, the universities and amongst the casuals who are doing fantastic work and they deserve the support of a leadership who can back up, you know, the really good stuff that is happening on the ground in this union. All right. Anyway. Well, that's it, that segment. Let's, uh, let's move on. Let's move on now. Um, let's uh, talk about our First Nations stories this week. So... Uh, first up is is a, a pretty upsetting one. Adani destroyed a sacred site near their Carmichael mine on Wangan and Jangalingu country. Um, this, uh, 
and, and a slight kind of complication to this story that I've been coming across more and more when I read about um, issues, you know, around Adani's treatment of, you know, First Nations people is that Wangan and Jangalingu uh, people are now sometimes being referred to as Clermont Beliando people. Uh, and I've got a quote here from an ABC article, which is about a Wangan and Jangalingu uh, native title case that was brought against the government, I think, in 2019. Mm-hmm. All the experts, including the state's anthropologists, agreed the claim involved a pre-colonization society that was more accurately characterized as the Clermont Beliando people. Wangan and Jangalingu have agreed to bring forward their native title claim under this name, but identify as Wangan and Jangalingu. Okay. So, yeah. So a bunch of government experts were like, hey, let me just clarify for all of you First Nations people, you guys actually have a different name. And they're like, well, we call ourselves this, but whatever you want to put on the paperwork is okay. Is that pretty much it? I honestly don't know. I think okay. that, you know, the in, in many respects, the story of, um, you know, Adani's treatment of First Nations people around the Carmichael site has been a story of divisions within that First Nations community as well. Sure. So there's all this kind of yeah, you know, yeah. conflict and, and, you know, internal discussions there that obviously, you know, we're not party to. But I'm going to go with Wangan and Jangalingu for this story because, you know, it se- seemingly from this article, as you say, Noon, this seems to be kind of like something that was externally presented and <laughs> Wangan and Jangalingu people have been like, okay, fine, but that's... Not us, but whatever. But I think it's complicated. Sure, um, okay. Listener, if you can shed any light on this, love to hear from you. But anyway, here's a quote from Wangan and Jangalingu web- website, Culture Before Cult. Adani has bulldozed and blown up an ancient, an ancient stone tool-making area containing thousands of artifacts of our old people. It was the most significant cultural heritage site on the mining lease. Um, yeah, so... I mean, you know, it's it's just repeated behavior, right? You know, across mm-hmm. all of these mm-hmm. these countries, it's Rio and Duke and Gorge all over again. Here's a quote from National Indigenous Television. Seven Wangan and Jangalingo traditional owners had requested that the government investigate a potential breach of the Queensland Cultural Heritage Act, alleging that artifacts were unlawfully disturbed. So this was obviously ignored by the government yeah. and Adani. And now here's uh, the Sydney Morning Herald on the government's response. Queensland's cultural heritage director said Adani had completed the works with the unanimous support of its cultural heritage committee and under an agreed plan, which included oversight from four cultural heritage representatives, concluding there was, quote, no evidence of any actual harm to Aboriginal culture from the works, which is very fucking convenient for Adani, obviously, that... There was a site that people were like, hey, this is extremely culturally significant. Lots and lots of history. Please don't destroy this. And their cultural heritage committee happened to find that, nah, it's chill. That was not true. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, this is kind of complicated. And there are splits in, Mm -hmm. in, you know, in, in the indigenous community around this. But here's a further quote from that Sydney Morning Herald story. Adani on Sunday issued a joint statement with the Clermont Beliando Cultural Heritage Committee, claiming of opposing voices did not represent the majority and the works were managed in an, quote, appropriate, legal, and respectful way. Doing a little bit of digging around this, I turned up a story about the, the uh, native title coordinator for the Clermont Beliando people, okay. a woman named Irene Simpson. She was in charge of a trust that was set up to hold mining income for Wangan and Jangalingu people. But it became insolvent. The money has kind of disappeared. There are a whole okay. bunch of really dodgy transactions, and now she's under investigation by ASIC. So, you know, again, we're talking about splits in the community here, but I think that there are, you know, there, there's like, there's also some dodgy shit happening, yeah. you know? being you know perpetrated by people who claim to speak for the community at large mm-hmm. and i think that that you know again it's complex and i don't want to make any kind of judgments you know as 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 a settler on this situation but like there's a lot of ins a lot of outs but you know adani is essentially being like yeah we have this cultural heritage committee who say it's chill and the cultural heritage committee is saying yeah those people who are protesting against this don't actually speak for the you know traditional mm-hmm. owners of this area uh, and then also doing things like 
stealing a bunch of money that yeah. you know, or allegedly stealing a bunch of money that was supposed to go to the community. So I don't know. It's you know, <laughs> like, it's not great. It's not regardless, great. yeah. Um, yeah. and it, you know, it's also just really indicative of these these kind of really fucked bureaucratic ways that mining companies and governments undermine First Nations people. You know, mm-hmm. like the the fact that well, remember with Rio, yeah. they um the traditional owner, she referring it as Rio, but like, um, when Rio destroyed a sacred site mm. earlier this year, mm. um, was it the end of last year that, um, the traditional owners had lodged a complaint with the West Australian heritage people being mm. like, Hey, we're worried about this work that's going to happen next week. Could you stop that? And then a couple months later, the government were like, Hey, uh, we got this form saying, um, you didn't want us to blow that up. Uh, why don't we do some consultation about that? Yeah, like, no, I think they cl- it, the claim was that uh, I think the other claim was that it was just like lost, like oh yeah, it just got lost in the shuffle. Yeah, like it, you know, oh, it just didn't get, it didn't make it onto the right person's desk or whatever, you know. But yeah, I mean, in the case of Adani, like you know, the government extinguished native title in parts of right. the, the area without telling traditional owners. It was also you know a, a, alongside this um, Clermont Beliando situation that was talking about. You know, they kind of the government was using all this sort of selective expert advice to discredit the ancestry of certain first nations people Oof. who be, basically being like oh you're not not actually you don't have a you know you don't have a native title claim here you know you don't have a say on this because we found an expert who says that your dna doesn't match or some shit you know this type of fuck the shit fuck. but anyway yeah. long and short of it is the moral same moral of the story whenever we talk about mining companies interacting with first nations people which is that active cultural genocide and dispossession of first nations peoples is part of the their yeah. business model like it's literally a necessary part of how they make money that's mm-hmm. just they couldn't mm-hmm. do it without that so yeah it, you know this is another a tragic example of that and you know solidarity and power to the wangan and jangalingu people and, and we'll put a link in the show notes to the Culture Before Coal website where you can offer some financial support to uh, to their campaign there. Uh, and now, uh, just before we get out of our First Nations section, uh, here's actually a little bit of good news, which is nice, which is that the uh, Wapabara people have been formally recognized as native title holders for the Keppel Islands. So mm. Wapabara country is just off the coast of so-called central Queensland um, and includes a group of 13 islands, the two biggest being North Keppel Island and Great Keppel Island. And last week, uh, there was a ruling which declared the Wapabara people are the exclusive native title holders for those lands, um, which is amazing because it's, you know, like 120 years since they were violently dispossessed. So in 1902, the Wapabara people were forcibly removed from their lands and they were unable to return until the 1980s. And one of the things that's apparently been really difficult about this native title claim uh, and it's also extra fucked, is that one of the conditions of demonstrating, uh, you know, of getting native title is demonstrating an unbroken connection to land. And and because right. they had been violently displaced and hadn't been able to come back yeah. for 80 years, the authorities were like, hmm, do you though? Do you have right. an unbroken connection to land? Which is, you know, Gross. classic colonialism 101. And to close out here, here's a quote from Wapabara elder Bob Muir. It's very special as an elder. You really want to try and make sure that the work and things we do will be carried on by our young people. From what I've seen, I've got no fears, worries, or concerns about that. To have our young people involved here gives me a lot of strength. That's a positivity corner right there. Great. Hell yeah. Nice one. Okay, cool. Well, let's move on now to our final segment. Shitpost of the Week. And, you know, it's been a little minute since someone has accused me of boomer posting, Zach. Um, I try all that I can, but it still only happens every now and again. So I thought, you know, really should just try and restart that um, by giving shitpost of the week to a political cartoonist. The boomerist um, movable. Yeah. It's barely even a shitpost. No, but it, it, it is <laughs> oh, good it's content, pretty though. It's pretty shitposty. And this is from John Kadelka, who does good work. He used to work for The Australian a lot, where um, it seems like he probably went a little harder on the Labour Party, um, but he's also clearly not keen on the libs. But this one is also anti-liberal, uh, anti-Labour Party, rather. Um, mostly, yeah. He's um, a, is, where is he now? Saturday paper? Saturday. He's yeah, at the Saturday, Saturday. yeah. Um... 
and I only really know him like from some Twitter, really. small West Australian. The, okay. the West. He's, Perth, he seems kind North of like a Herald, freelance political cartoonist. Cartoonist, yeah. yeah. You know. He's a bit of a lefty. Yeah. Um, and so this one is rusted on bingo. Um, and yeah, he's been pissing off Labour voters, Labour hacks all week on Twitter. And with boy, this, howdy. Uh, with good with this like, crappy cartoon of, yeah, rusted on bingo. And he's just turned it into a tea towel. Uh, Great. made it available for sale, uh, <laughs> which has pissed them off even more, which is very fun. But yeah, why don't we read some of our favorite yeah. squares noon from okay. Labour Rusted on Bingo. Um, the best way to oppose bad legislation is to vote for it. <laughs> uh, here's square E3. The centre. Way over here on the right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, A3, preferential voting is a myth. Um, <laughs> that's good. Uh, I really like this one, C5. We are lying, and we'll actually do the opposite if we win, which is an <laughs> yeah. argument that you just like. You just hear so much, and like I get it from from my parents as well, who are like, you know, fairly included. You know, my mom, yeah. my mom is an insider's fiend, which you know is not necessarily indicative of being included in or whatever. But, but she will say the like, oh, yeah. well, they have to say that before the election, and it's like, hmm. Well, they should either tell the truth or not, and not make us guess which it is beforehand. Yeah, Thank you. Um, related there, it's vital to avoid upsetting people who'll never vote for us. It's like, oh no, if you oppose racism, Pauline Hanson voters won't vote. They'll they'll be running Labor? straight Wait a minute. back to the party they were already going to vote for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, noon the center square. The, big, the free card. The free card. That you get in every conversation. Just, you know, you, you can get this without trying. Yeah. The Greens didn't vote for the CPRS in 2009. Well, that is true. And that's that is, undeniable. That's rusted on bingo, baby! Boom! Woo! Your prize is 43% by 2030. Yeah. But also no commitment to Like a third of that, actually, because we're emitting way more than our the emissions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you want a podcast, you gotta do a lot of shit. That's not technically podcasting. You still gotta do that shit. Follow us on social media. Follow us on Facebook. Yes. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Please, mm-hmm. if you listen to us on Spotify, hit the follow button. If you mm-hmm. listen to us on Apple Podcasts, or even if you don't, please go and leave us a rating and review. And please make those on both Apple Podcasts. positive. Yes. On Apple Podcasts. Yes, thank you. We would appreciate that very much. And if you are going to leave a negative one, at least give us something to make fun of you about. Yeah. If you're going to give us one star, okay. You, you, you do you. But, but tell leave us that a we review. have extremely left biased views and a climate addict. You know, give us a <laughs> little something. At the very least, write worst podcast ever. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Give us a little something, please. <laughs> if you want to support the show financially, we would appreciate that a huge amount. You can do that over nice. on patreon.com slash ozpolsnackpod. As little as $1 a month gets you stuff like a monthly bonus episode, other stuff at higher tiers. And also uh, tell a friend that's... Okay, that's the business section done. Right. Now it's time for a update. Uh, I mean, well, sort of a, a real-life current pup date is that we're recording this at an unusual time on an unusual day, um, and it's much later than I normally would walk Bagel, um, and he has been trying to get my attention the entire time we've been recording, <laughs> sticking his snoot under my arm and, like, getting it up in the elbow, um, snooting me in the knee. Um, just at the very start when we, when you were doing the um, acknowledgement, he came over and like leaned as close as he can to the mic and went. <laughs> so I don't know if that'll show up in the uh, in the cut, but um, disrespectful bagel. It is, yeah. yeah. God damn, inappropriate. Um, but anyway, he's uh, we're gonna, as soon as I hang up this Zoom call, he's gonna, gonna get rush what he wants. out and give him a big bounce. All that irritation is paying off. All yeah. that irritating, that hard work annoying you is finally. Yeah. He'll get the reward of getting to annoy me on the street. Yeah. <laughs> Out in public. Uh, what's up with Dante? Mm, good question. I didn't really have much of a pop date. He's just like, he's just kind of on some Mr. Bean shenanigans type shit constantly every day. You know what I mean? Like, it's not really news, but he, he's just a fucking goofball. He's always, always doing hilarious shit. 
and which is one of the, the pleasures of living with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did one the other day. We have someone who comes and walks in once a week, and he gets like really, really, really excited whenever uh, she comes. And the floor in our kitchen is like is is like it's just concrete. I think maybe it's like yeah. glazed mm-hmm. or something, but it's like sure. quite slippery. And anyway, he heard the the front door open, which you know, and, and then basically tried to like run as fast as he could to the front door, but kind of did like a Scooby Doo running on the spot. Fabulous! Like, like he just couldn't get he any purchase on the ground, and he just sort of like he was like you know if he'd been like actually making contact, he probably would have run roughly a hundred meters. Way to the door. As it yeah. was, it took him about fifteen seconds to run ten meters because he just <laughs> essentially was just very slowly sliding forward as his legs kind of wheeled cartoon style. Uh- that reminds me. I have a. I have a. A. A, a kit date. A cat date. Oh. A. A. Up cat. You know, cuck um, date. Yeah. A cuck. You date. have a cuck date. <laughs> Perfect. I have a cuck date. Yeah. Um. So we've got a new housemate recently. Who's got a new cat? Um. Well, not a new cat, but the cat has moved in with them, mm. and the cats have been getting to know each other. It's been extremely cute. It's mostly been going better than anyone expected. Oh, great! The other night, I was hanging out in my housemate's room, and the cat was in there with us sort of sitting nearby and there was a thump from the other room as presumably Lou, the new cat sort of like bounced off a table or something. And Pepper, the old cat was like, what the fuck was that? And stood up on her hind legs <laughs> and she stood straight up for like maybe a solid 12 or 15 seconds. I have never seen a cat ever do anything remotely like it it was incredible i got some very blurry photos me and my housemate both just like grabbed each other's arm like oh my god oh my god God." but tried not to move or do anything sudden so i like sort of shot from the hip with my phone as quickly and quietly it's a little bit blurry but uh, i'll i'll send it through i'll post it in the discord as well uh, after this episode drops so um you can all appreciate pepper doing a stand well noon thank you for that cuck date and And thank you. You're welcome, my friends, for allowing us to give cuck you a you cuck as date well. anytime you want. Yeah, um, and we will cuck you next week. Keep on cucking in the free world. <laughs> you cucked it, my friend. Cuck, cuck, cuck. cops, crunch, crunch. <laughs>